This episode of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors at Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is a PR collective that values people over profit. They put a different spin on public relations by working primarily with friends and using all profits to aid charitable organizations. With a roster that includes Jawbox, The New Amsterdam's, Brainiac, Get Some, Funeral Date, Damien Dunn, and many more artists, record labels, and podcasts. Sweet Cheetah. That's a great PR cohort. You can find them on social media by simply searching Sweet Cheetah PR, and they'll be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter. I am still here. And tonight, I have Mike Thorne. Mike was the coordinator of Maximum Rock and Roll. He was in a bevy of bands, including Architects of the New Christ Rebellion, Inept, Kill the Man Who Questions, Stockholm Syndrome, and War All the Time. More importantly, and more recently... Mike publishes Razorblades and Aspirin fanzine. It is a fine art photography-based fanzine, the subject of which musicians, artists, people at shows, beautiful photos of hardcore and punk shows. Talk about elevating the form. There's no zine quite like it, and quite honestly, it is something to behold, truly. If you've never seen a copy of Razor Blades and Aspirin, do yourself a huge favor. Seek it out. It comes in all different formats. Sometimes it's newsprint. Sometimes it's in a spiral-bound book, full color. You never know what's coming next with Mike. Tonight, we talk about that. We talk about his past in, in punk and hardcore. His take on the next generation of hardcore kids, which is refreshingly positive, and uh, I applaud that. We get into all of the territory you would expect and a lot that you absolutely would not. I hope you're enjoying the show. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, follow me on social media. Uh, share my stuff. If you love what I do, I would appreciate all of your help. You know, in lieu of using music from another artist tonight, I have chosen to showcase some songs from my band's last album, which is a few years old at this point right now, a hard out album called The Thirst. It is available to purchase physically, stream, what have you, on our Bandcamp, if you are interested and you cannot find it, it is in my link tree on Instagram. Without further ado, I give to you Mike Thorne of Razor Blades and Aspirin on the book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Uh. 
Hello, oh. Michael. How's it going, man? I'm well. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, do my headphones sound okay? Yeah, you sound all right. Okay, good. I'm always worried because <clears throat> it's the sh- it's they're not shitty. They're the iPod Pros, but there's some days where they sound better than others. So. <laughs> Well, I, I I hadn't expected you to have like a an entire studio set up because you don't do this three to four times a week like I do. So I'm prepared. It's funny. It's funny because I actually um. So my job is I am the global director of webcasting services for a for a company. Um. So I kind of do this all day long. Okay. Um, but I prefer to see because I'm also cheap and they won't let me expense it. <laughs> I prefer to see these episodes. <laughs> So, I, there's a lot of calls I get on. I go, do I sound okay? Is this <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I I don't expect people to be, you know, uh, studio quality. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's not it's not feasible for the average punk musician. So, it is what it is, man. But yeah. I. Uh, I have to tell you, I've kind of been aware of you since the '90s, pretty much, because you were in "Kill the Man Who Questions." I was. I was yeah. Kill the Man, um, or I was the I'm the uh, one of fifty different guitar players, or whatever it yeah. is. But, yeah. But uh, and I'm the one who I think I have played more shows with Kill the Man than anybody else. But I. Uh, I never recorded on any records. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. Cause I did a Euro tour and I did a, a US tour and a bunch of other shows. So, yeah. The, and that's kind of like where I first became like aware of you. And then, of course, Maximum Rock and Roll is a big yeah. part of that as well. But y- you have a life kind of entrenched in our thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you, like, like myself, hardcore became kind of like your 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 life and 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 not in a way like we're we're waving a flag in a song it's really like a part of your not just culture but the way you move throughout life so that super it supersedes culture and it becomes uh not not just a lifestyle but an mo like it's a real tangible part of the way you move what, what was yeah. it about ab- about like our thing that like i i i'm fr- justin from you know uh the locust we, we established this thing where there's an us thing okay like where if you come from this yeah. thing you're you're part especially in our age group you're part of us it's yeah. it, it, and it's not just a sound or a style or uh, the way we dress or it's just it's a it's a it's its own spiritual vibe what yeah. was it that kind of like grew you to that to that part of what it is to be us a lot of things really i mean i think my joke answer would be society man but, <laughs> right right and then i would offer to go get you know do crimes like get sushi and not pay but um <laughs> i um for me i mean in some ways i'm joking with something i'm not right like i got in i got into like punk early like um I was, I got my first like mixtapes and was hanging around like people into punk in like 86. Yeah. And, and like my first show was 80, 
early 88. Um, but then there was like opportunities in 88 was 14 and like, um, but like there was opportunities even before then, like I had, you know, and it just, it just, I think it was just like, I didn't fit in with like, as a kid being like 12 years old with like sports culture, like that kind of thing. I wasn't a popular kid. I was kind of a weird kid. I was fascinated. And, And I think for a lot of it too, I wrote about this briefly in, a, in an issue of my zine, like even before I was actually like into punk, I was like aware of it as a thing. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you couldn't, you couldn't help it. Like in the eighties, it was like, you know, it was after school specials. It was like in the chipmunks, it was, um, you know, in silver spoons, there's all these kind of places. And so you were kind of aware about it. And so like, I, there's part of me that like, I was interested in, cause it was like, these people seem cool. Yeah, and they did, and they did stuff because they they wanted to do stuff, and not you know, and and I was, and I think when I was twelve years old, like I was looking to be cool, right? Yeah. And so, and I didn't fit in sports wise, like you know, like I didn't fit into that kind of thing, and and so I just kind of like stumbled my way into it in a lot of ways, and I think what the longevity of the thing is, is it enabled me to make connections with other people. Um, and I think part of that is like, I spent a a majority of my, like kind of pre-college really, to be honest, like spending most of my, my punk existence, just mail ordering records and writing to people. And like, and that, I, that, that idea, like the notion that I could just like stuff like $20 in an envelope and get like 10, seven inches, you know, sent to me from New Jersey or wherever. Um, it, it was just cool. It was like an interesting thing. Like, and it, and it, and it's, it's one of those things that still kind of translates. Like my, my PO box is fascinated by me, right? Like people are in my post office because they're like, you get all this stuff from like, you know, random places in Eastern Europe and then Southeast Asia. And like, and they're like, normal people don't do that. Right. Yeah. And I think that was a thing for me. It's like the, this ability to make connections with people who have similar feelings about the world, who have a similar sense of being disaffected. And it's also just like for me, like, like I, I'm a very much a person who like splits what is punk into two categories in my brain. There's like, there's all the stuff that's like punk, and and I use that term in a, like a broad sensibility, right? Yeah. And then there's the, and here's the stuff I actually like musically, right? Like, there's a lot of stuff that I think is punk. I think is great, like conceptually, but like I, I was like, I don't get that shit. Like it's yeah. dumb. Like, because if you talk to me about music, it's like, I just want everything to sound like crossed out. Yeah, of like, course. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You know, it's like, I just want like maximum speed, maximum destruction. But it's also funny because at the same time, I'm, I'm a total pop fiend. Yeah. Like, so, so that's kind of like this weird, but like, that, 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 that's the thing. Is, so I think that's the thing though, is like, it's just this sense of connection. Right. And, 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 and like meeting people globally and it's you know it's that's been the thing for me like since i was a kid and the reason why i still come around like i still feel that thing like i'm in a room and it's like this weird it's this weird like metaphysical hippie shit where i'm like you feel that transition of energy between the crowd and the audience and there's no separation yeah and like it's just like i don't know it's like everybody drop ass and make love man like whatever it's 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 not that different because I can tell you I came to punk in an almost very hippie way because having been raised by 
mom who was a hippie dad who went was in the vietnam war uncle who was in the vietnam war but both became hippies thereafter i got to see the clash open up for the who because of these people when i was a fucking younger shea Mm -hmm. stadium you know combat rock having having gotten to see this and you know i didn't even know it was i knew it was different i knew it was punk but like I, I knew it moved me. I knew the energy was was perfect and alive and palpable and felt like I could attain it. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I just loved it on a musical spectrum. It didn't become real to me until I, I probably like around that age group still, I found the tape trade. Yeah. And the tape trade got me into like, you know, being pen pals with people from Taiwan, people from favelas in Brazil, like just everywhere as long as they had something to offer and i had something to offer them and it was simple like the transaction was just i have something cool do you have something cool okay let's do this and you built relationships on that 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 to me is the essence yeah and it's really it's an interesting thing because it's like the tape the tape thing was a big deal for me like because that's how you would hear because a lot of the stuff like like at one point i amassed a crazy record collection right mm-hmm. but like that crazy record collection is predated by like i didn't know how to get like a wretched or an indigesty record you know yeah. like like but i had heard all that stuff like i knew i had heard antidote like i had heard all these killed by death things even before the killed by death records came out yeah. because people had that thing and they put it on a tape because it's a funny song or it's like whatever you yeah. know um and uh and even like when i got into re- like actually buying records and, and, and swapping records even that was a, w- a way to make connections because like my version of record trading or record collecting was i'd send you a list you send me a list and we just send boxes to each other randomly yeah like i found these records you wanted and then i get this box from poland you know and they're like here's all the cool stuff from poland you've never heard before Mm-hmm. And they were like, and they were looking for like, I don't know, like Megadeth record or something. But like, you know, that was the thing. And so, like, building those connections, I think, is really what's. It's important to me, and it's actually really funny because I go to shows now. I'm still someone who like, I go to sh- I, I go to shows like all all the fucking time. But like, there are moments where I'm like, this band's really good, but there's not that transitory property of like the exchange of energy. Where yeah. I'm just like, eh, it's not that great of a show. You know, yeah. this band's really good, but like, whatever. Like, I don't really care. And I'll just like walk out. Because, I, just, I do that all the time. I do too, because, and it's not a slight to the band per se, but uh, to me, and I'm not shitting on what they're doing now, the kids are doing now, because yeah. I think it's as important, if not more important, than what we had been doing. It just doesn't seem like there's that same amount of recognition of counterpoint in others um when we used to walk around the mall in the 80s for example yeah if you saw another dude in a samhain t-shirt you were like yo you're one of mine and if you walked up to that dude and said yo fucking initium bro it was a thing it was a real like it was an exchange of 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 uh emotional and spiritual energy where like yes it's it's us we're them that doesn't I, fucking exist anymore in any kind of tangible I disagree. way you disagree okay well I totally disagree. okay so, 
I think it doesn't happen the same way that would happen as someone who is like approaching 50, right? Okay. Like th that I remember it happening. I think that um, there's an aspect of this and I had it like, like Scal stayed at my house recently and we had this conversation where I was just like, we we're talking about like turnstile and shit like that. Yeah. And I was just like, I think turnstile is a fine version of later bad brands. Yeah, um, they are. And, but it doesn't do anything for me, but it's not for me. And I think that's the, that's the big, that's the big thing where like, I think it's hard for people our age to recognize that there's people who are like 19, 20, 15, whatever, who are making those same kind of connections. They're seeing someone in a, a gel t-shirt and they're mm -hmm. making that connection. Right. Um, I think that, and I think it's, and I, and I see it. And I think part of it is I see it because I do my best and this is not to shit on older people at all. Like I totally get it because like my partner doesn't want to go to shows all the time, mm -hmm. but like I go to shows, house shows, I go to like, like thing all the time and I'm, and I'm there as, as an observer yeah. and I see it. And I think about this a lot with, like I interviewed gel, um, for razor blades, yeah. like they talk about this, like hardcore for the freaks, right? This notion of like, because that's what you and I were when we were kids, right? Very much so, yeah. It's fucking weirdos, and we would see other weirdos, and we gravitate to other weirdos, and that's the same kind of thing. There is a cool guy thing that happens, and it happens with younger kids, and it happened back then. Like I hated, I hated all the people in Doghouse because they were cool guys, like Majority One and Transcend, and all those guys. Like they were like cool, but yeah. like not in the way that I meant to be cool. Like they were like. They were like dudes who hung out with like popular girls, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, because they had money, they were attractive, conventionally speaking. And like, so I didn't, I didn't really connect with them is what I'm kind of getting at. And I think that same thing happens now. Like there's kids here who are total fucking maniac weirdo kids and they find their connections and meanings in this. And I think some, some of the things that happen as we get older, we don't see that as often. Because it's not, and in some ways, it's not for us, you know? Yeah. No, but it's, it's youth culture. Us. We're not young. So, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Well, I'm only 30 years old, so. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, brother. That's, just, that's something I like to tell kids. That's my running joke is that when I, when I feel really old, I'm like, I'm 30. Um, so, no, but it, but it is a thing. And I, I do think, I think that that's a, it's a common feeling for people of a certain age, like pushing 40, over 40, they'd be like, well, it's just not the same as it was. You used to, used to see someone DMs, you'd be like, oh, I'm Doc Martin. He's like, you're into the same thing I am. And I think those, those signifiers are different. And I think, but they're the same. They're just, we don't recognize them in the same way, right? Because we're not there. We're not there. We're not in that place in our lives. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I got a mortgage. Yeah, <laughs> you know? we're both like I'm almost fifty. You know, I, mm -hmm. I see. I don't see it the same. Like I see a kid in uh, uh, a minor threat T-shirt, and there's still that young part of me that wants to be like, dude, minor yeah. threat. And and I, I I realize that he's gonna look at me and be like, yo, you old fuck. Like I I don't care if you like Ian Mackay, but like there was uh, in the eighties if had i run up to another dude who was into fugazi or like they would have been like yeah, yeah, you sometimes. i know you but they're probably doing that with gel they're probably yeah. doing that with all of these new bands 
Well, it's, it's a funny thing because in my brain, it's like if I see a kid who's 20 years old, 19 years old, and they're wearing a minor threat t-shirt, I'm like, why do you like minor threat? That would be the equivalent of me in 1986 being into like, I don't know, something from 1946. But, but you yeah, know. I- I would have been something I mean, that's, into that's, something like that. I mean, I, I mean, I like that. Stuff. I mean, the thing is, don't get me wrong. Like, like yeah. I love, like, I love like early rock and roll. I love, you know, all that kind of stuff. But like, but what the point is, is like, where do you find the connection in that? Right. Like, yeah. To me, if I if I'm 20 years old, I'm into gel. I'm into I'm into scowl. I'm yeah. into I'm into reckoning force. I'm into all these bands like that because they're closer to me in age closer to me and you know all that kind of and the connections and you know and i you know i vibe with all this other stuff it's for me it's just like you know that's and i think sometimes it's hard for we'll say other men my age like my and people and myself to kind of get that you know like um and it's also like weird because like i'm super into all this stuff but i'm an old ass man I know, but like, I think Zulu is one of the, like, I listen to bands like Zulu and Jell, and I get really fucking excited for them. And Damien Moyal comes on my show a lot. And I, Damien and I were, I love that dude. He loves all this shit too, but it's that same kind of disconnect where it's like, yeah, dude, I love it, but it's not really mine anymore. And there's a reckoning in that you know uh, we can accept that yes we're from this and it is you know our past and we still resonate with it we still pay into it in our way but it's not our game anymore and but we but but i'm still doing a podcast you're still doing a fucking awesome fanzine like we're we're still a viable mechanism in the machine that is the greater hardcore punk thing it's just it's I think it comes from a not a different place but a different perspective now for us like am i right yeah i mean my thing is like the operative word and what i do is is, is fan theme right like it's fan yeah. giant fan look and it's because like i'm still into this stuff and it's why like my zine covers this stuff but it's also like the recognition of like i'm legit like excited about these seeing these bands like yeah. legit excited about you know going to shows and seeing what young kids are up to because like i'm one who very much when i say all ages i mean all ages yeah right like i i like i hate like i i the old band version of me will go to bar shows but there was a version of me that wouldn't go to a 21 up show no me like, neither I wouldn't do it. me neither it's bullshit like i was like absolutely not and like and like but i also realized that they're recognized that there's a there can be a time for that and so like um but like legit like it's part of what i do why i do what i do is because i still want to participate in the thing and i still want to and it's part of the reason why like if you read through my zine like i've got complaints about this like you're not critical when you do record reviews it's just like well for one thing it's like I can bash a bunch of stuff. It's fun to write sh- reviews trashing things. Yeah. But I'd rather talk about like the things I'm into. It's more interesting. That's that's why that's the impetus of this show. I only talk to people who I like, who create things that I, I'm a fan of and enjoy because what am I gonna do? Am I gonna sit here and talk to someone who I'm lukewarm about and just 
yeah. you know, spit into the ether. There, there's no, there's no love in it. So like it, it, it's devoid of passion. Why bother? Why bother? Yeah. Well, it's also, it's also a thing for me too. It's like, it's like, I, I've never gotten like why people, like I get why you, there's a whole, there's like a litany of psychological studies of like things you find at a certain age and why that resonates with you more than other things and blah, blah, blah. But I've never understood like people who are like, like, I don't want to be boring. It's basically what it boils down to. It's like, it's really boring to me to be like, oh, I'm just going to sit around and listen to the things I was into when I was like 16 or 18 or whatever at yeah. peak year was. Like, um, like, I'd rather, and I don't care that this sounds derivative of something else. Like, if it's got its own spin on it, then like, you know, Youth of Today owes everything they, that they did to like Boston. Yeah. Like, Joe wrote a song about it. Yeah. But like, but at the same time, it's like people still value, they'll value that in its moment, just like how I valued, you know, Born Against, and then I valued like Talkers Pulls, even though they were, they were taking what was before and growing on it. And so for me, it's like, I want to, like, I don't think, I, you know, I view like music as a continuum, yeah. And I want to continue to learn about the new thing and what they're doing to the old thing and then like morphing into their own thing. Right. Like it's, and that's, that's what's interesting to me. Um, like I don't get, like, I, and that's the thing is I don't get like why you would just be like, Oh, well music died for me when I was 30. Now I have a job. Yeah. That's sad. That's true. I, yeah. I, I, I can't live that life. If you look behind me, I have an entire, like I have over 7,000 records that will tell you that I'm a fan from stem to stern. I started to lie about the fact like, oh, I'm on free lunch and no one checked back then. So I would take my lunch money every day and I, I would go to the alternative tentacles. Fucking, I would get my inserts from alternative tentacles, right? Like around age 10 and save my lunch money and buy fucking records with my lunch money. And shit would be coming in the mail, and my father would be like, what, what did you buy? Like, where did you get the money from this? Oh, uh, yeah, Dad, you know, like, he knew I was a scam artist. I'm his oldest son. Yeah. He's a scam artist. So, like, yeah. <laughs> but funny. you do what you have to do to attain the things that matter to you, especially at that age. It's not like I could go out and get a job. You had, yeah, to be yeah. you had to be 12 to be a paper boy. And at age 12, yeah. I did become a paper boy to buy records, yeah. only records. Um, yeah. but that has been like my, I'm a seeker. I'm by nature. I'm a seeker. I buy yeah. books. I buy records. I buy books. I buy records and that's it. And it's always been about like, what's next for me. Yeah. I'm, yeah, you know, I'm approaching 50. I'm still trying to find what's next and I'm enjoying the ride. I, I don't feel disappointed. Whatever new comes down the line, uh, especially in our little subset of the world I, I i find something to love because you'll never be disappointed if you are allowing yourself to enjoy the journey yeah well that's the thing now and i think too now it's, it's easier than it used to be oh yeah to be honest like like um now you can just be like oh like i you know i my friend Bobby, who's final conflict here, is jokes with me because he's like, he's like, so what's on your spreadsheet now? Like I keep because that's how I roll. I have spreadsheets and things, <laughs> but like, 
like I keep spreadsheets of like, you know, here's all the new releases and demos and things like that. And like when I see it, so, and a lot of that stuff is it pops up. Someone mentions it online, it's a chat group, it's whatever. And I throw it on a spreadsheet and it's into later. And, and, and you can find a lot of stuff in that way. And it, it's that, that continual journey, journey of trying to find like, you know, I'm convinced that every band has one good song, like across the board. Yeah. Like they may only have one, but and and I want to find it. That's the things I want to hear it right. That um, and it's that mentality that kind of I think in some ways kind of drove a lot of those '80s comps. Yeah, where oh, yeah. it's just like because you find and some of the '80s comps you'll see the same song in a bunch of comps, and it's because like well that's their only song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You find it after the fact, but like and it's the same thing that drove those still my desk comps because a lot of the it's like it's one great song and then everything else is shit, and so that's kind of how my brain works when i'm just like well i want to hear the good thing i did yeah you know because i feel like that's the thing is like everybody everybody has that in them it, it just and they met it they made and, and, I, and i feel that with like like going to see bands like like i'm going to go see a band and they may never record their good song but i might hear it yeah you know as as crazy as that seems like well no know, be, which is because why i go out all the time well how many bands have you seen throughout your entire life in music and they were always amazing live but it never came across on tape i could name dozens of bands like that legitimately yeah, dozens lots of, um, lots of bands that became very big and and like i listen to the records and i'm like this is shit yeah and they were yeah. so good live and like this is such shit like why did you put so much marshmallow all over this like it's so bad and then the live, you're like, they were like, you know, lightning in a bottle. The, the band who was not like that for me in the, that early 90s, like straight edge movement was Chokehold. To me, they were one of the few that when they, as intense as they were live, they were just as great on a shitty recording and all their yes. recordings were shitty. Oh man, but they, like, yes. there, was, there was something about Chokehold, right? I, I really liked so. Chokehold and like, and it's funny because I remember having conversations with people about Chokehold and comparing them to Disclose. Yeah. And like basically, especially that, especially the second LP, where it basically it just sounds like a like a wall, a Phil Spector esque wall of distortion. Yeah. Where and it, where you can barely discern what's going on, and it just sounds like um, some angry Canadian yelling. And, and it's all it's one just, track. That that second one track, record. Yeah, Content with Dying was all uh, one track. I think that may have been a violin. <laughs> he was probably like, hey, mastering guy, instead of separating, if you can't separate it out, maybe if I give you some Kinko's cards. So, <laughs> I don't Scott, Bybin, Scott Bybin could do something like that. I know Scott well. He would have done that. <laughs> uh, he once, he once, uh, I once mail ordered uh, a copy of the uh, Groundwork LP uh, for Distro, I said, and he sent me a uh a kinko's card <laughs> a kinko's card the records and uh and a master the photocopy of a cover oh my said, make, god make your own covers scott scott will never change but still in philly still in philly yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, there's the only reason why I use the, this era as a touchstone is because I'm so versed in it. Um, yeah. 
And there are, you're right, very many, very many incredible, uh, notable bands working yeah. today. Um, it's just, I don't have the authority to speak to them quite as well. And it seems to me like the older I get, the more I almost kind of revert more toward bands that are more post-punk esque because that's like before I was into punk and hardcore, I was into the cure and I was into the Smiths yeah. and I was into the, yeah. like the, you know, all, all of that stuff. And there is a scene for that now as well. But I think what's great about right now too, is there's a scene for just about everything. Yeah. You know, there's power violence again, like yeah. in, a, in a very, in a very peculiar way, but you yeah. know, like you, you, you were in bands that used elements of power violence to their advantage pretty liberally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I never wanted to be basically uh, cross dot meets uh, change train. Yeah. And that was the goal. And, uh... <laughs> well, no, but like there was definitely a Nardcore element to what you guys did that there's no question. Like the Nardcore was there um, for the uninitiated. Nardcore is all hardcore from Oxnard, but that means <clears throat> that means so many different things. And I think the best example of like that whole era was infest. Yeah. R right. Like if you want to talk about power violence, infest, we're kind of the beginning of that. I um, think in some ways. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, for, for me, like I'm one of those people who would be like, and this is based on just, it's partially joking, but based on being friends with some of those people, like, like there's only like a handful of actual power violence bands. It's yeah. like, Maz Master, uh, Crossed Out, yeah. uh, Infest, Capitalist Casualties, Maz and uh, Spaz. Spaz, and no yeah. Comment. Yeah. And that's it. And to me, it's like, and I, and I think, you know, you can, it's all this stuff. But, and then Power Balance really was like that, for me, it was that, that thing of, I remember talking to Jeff from Capitalist one time about like, they did this band and they just want to be like DRI. Yeah. Like, like first, seven inch DRI. And in in the time in the Bay Area, the popular thing was like everyone would want to be like Primus mm -hmm. or like Bay No More. And like they were like, we're not into punk. Like we want to be like we're a hardcore band. And so there was like this kind of return to form, you know? And then if you talk about like like Enfest for sure, like Enfest, like the first time I heard Enfest, it's a lot of those bands, it's funny because like I think about this like you're talking about like combat rock era the clash like i heard that when i was a kid and i was like this is punk mm -hmm. and i was like how is this like i mean this is i, I enjoy rock the Caswell. yeah but like, like but it's not jenny like, jones and it's what and it's not fucking like infest slave <laughs> no no what <laughs> and, and the thing it was just like this is like the first time I heard what I expected punk to sound like was when I got the crossed out man as a master split. Yeah. And I heard the crossed outside and I was like, Oh, this is punk. This is actually what punk sounds like. Cause it's like just completely fucking insane. Yeah. Like speed. And then also the ability to slow the fuck down and the level of just like pure, like unadulterated venom and rage. Like, 
and then and then I that took me on this journey of like okay Ottawa split with jihad. Oh, the Ottawa jihad split is fucking like godly, godly. I I love the people in jihad to death, but has anyone actually ever listened to the jihad side? I don't think so. No, it's the Ottawa side that we all get off on. Uh, it's <laughs> That's just, the side that was worn out, and then yeah. I was like, oh, this is fine. Yeah, yeah, it's so, the Ottawa side. And I said it like Derek, the guitar player, Derek's one of my best friends, and I said that like that, but but like. And then I think about this other stuff like that because for me, like, and I like Infest for sure, man. Like, like Slay and like, and then even more so when they they released No Man's Slave, yeah, like the second LP, which was sitting in the can forever. Just Joe never recorded the the vocals because he was in jail. Yeah. Um, like when they released that in the early in the early odds, I was just like, what the fuck. Yeah, like what, where was this? So relentless. Because the thing is, a slave has a recording that's kind of it's muddy and it works. Mm-hmm. But the second LP, I mean, it's like it's just fucking on. Like mm-hmm. if that record had come out, like when it was supposed 90, to, yeah, like it would just like well, fuck. And that's the thing is like all those kind of bands. That's the stuff that got me off. Like yeah. it's just like play at a thousand miles an hour. Like have actual songs and just just destroy everything and i actually i like infest so much so that they started doing reunions in what like 2012 11 something like that and i and i refused to go see them because i didn't want to destroy it in my brain i've done shit like that i've done like, shit I didn't like see them until, the first time i saw them was they did that um like athena who used to do six weeks is working on a documentary about power violence and she, they did a, they did a show that was like the Power Violence Forever Weekend to raise money to help do this film, and that was the first time I saw Infest, and it was like 2016, 2017, and I, it was just unreal, like I couldn't believe that I had, I didn't go see those other shows because I had this thing where, because it was just like so tight, it was so fast. And like Joe is a fucking maniac, and and so from that point on, I was hooked. And like I, you know, I saw them in Stockholm, I saw them in Los Angeles. Like I, like it just, you know, just fucking all everything just sound destroy. And just like and it was perfect. And like there's a video of them playing in I think Malaysia that like if you haven't watched it, like it's just absolutely insane because these kids are losing their shit and that's the thing too is like i think about that when we're talking about from the very beginning of this conversation like that ability for music to communicate that that's connection that you have and like it's these kids in malaysia and like they're singing fest play and just losing their goddamn minds and and you know and like Infest isn't like 100 tight it's just but there's that feeling yeah it's hard to communicate that feeling you know and that was that was the thing is like when we when we first started nep i mean we joked we joked about the the, the crossed out meets uh chain strengthening but like infest was a big deal to us like yeah. as far as a band you know and i remember like capitalist casuals was a big deal to us and like, i remember we got to play with catalyst uh in detroit when they toured hell nation and like those bands were just like just because that was the thing is i remember spent, i spent most of the 90s looking for bands that played hardcore because I kept buying records, I'm like, oh, this is shit metal, or this is just like art punk, 
or like yeah. whatever. Like I was looking for like, and I would stumble across these things. I'd be like, oh, well, here's a cop, here's a cop out single. Here's a crudo single. Here's a failure phase. Like it, it felt like, you know, legit explorer looking for like gems amongst the sea of shit. Yeah. Cause like, I don't, I mean, so we were talking about earlier, like I have, I see value in all this stuff. And like, and someone posted a thing, like I organized more than music fest in 97 and like posted the poster of it. And like, I worked my ass off, put that on, but half of those bands I can give a shit about. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, no, but like, you're just doing it. You're curating for uh, everyone else. The culture. Yeah. For the culture. Yeah. And like, but like, if you're going to talk about my tastes, it's just like, like, I want to see, like, I want to see cop out. I want to see, I want to see, I want to see, you know, I want to see failure face, mm-hmm. you know, I want to see, you know, um, I want to see Gordon Sully motherfuckers. Like I want to see that kind of thing. Like I yeah. want to see loud, fast rules basically, you know, like, yeah, like, 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 like if you could, if you could get three way come to come to the United States, we'll get them yeah. like that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, I drove to see gauze and I mean, they toured in like one of the nice in Chicago and yeah. got there just in time to see them finish. <laughs> I was know? at that show. I was at that show because oh, really? I would I would have I'm given awesome. my left fucking arm to see Gauze at that time. So I, I went. Yeah, absolutely. I uh we drove from Columbus to that show and I um we got there just as everything finished. Like people were walking out. I drove from I Pennsylvania like, the day before. Yeah. And, and so we we, we camped out. <laughs> yeah. But there's um, a those Cleveland dudes all w- rolling out, and I was like, "Oh, hey!" And they were like, "It's over," and I'm like, "Ah, it's like a There, there was a, there was like that whole Clevo thing too, like where, like those guys were into the craziest shit for a time, and uh, it could have been the whole integrity of it all, which I, I, I loved integrity at that time, but there was also like as as much as the intensity was celebrated. I remember going to Massachusetts to the new Bedford fest and it was like 95 and the Cleveland dudes just taking things to such an extent where lifetime was playing and it was in a YWCA Mm -hmm. and they were diving off of the second level. And one kid got his neck broken during a fucking hello bastards era lifetime set. Yeah. Like that, that was the shit that kind of ruined it for me, right? Like as much as it was like all yeah. those all those Cleveland dudes, and I love a lot of them. Um yeah. and like some of them are really great friends of mine. But they're fucking maniacs. Yeah. The Cleveland yeah, like, Death they, Squad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, all that stuff, like, you know, even I mean, it's wild to me because those dudes were into Japanese hardcore before it was a thing. Yeah. They were, you know, it's like when I interviewed Wood, he was talking about like, he was like, yeah, if you go online and um, the Zuo seven inch that was like bootlegged a thousand times, there's a skip in the bootleg. He's like, well, that's my record. So I'm bootlegged my record, my yeah. copy, you know? And I remember like, and then talking to like, you know, like, like Wedge lives in Japan for a while, you know? And those guys were like early on, like, you know, Irma was, is, and Irma is like fucking, encyclopedia of music in general like if you want to talk and the same thing with wedge you want to talk like old you want to talk like soul from toledo ohio in 1969 wedge has half the records 
you know, like, but he also has every ADK, like, flexi, you know, it's like, yeah. he knows it all, you know, and like, and the same thing with Urba, like, it, it, like, those guys are just like, it's because they had a good radio. Yeah. And that was the thing, it's like, you could, and that, and that was some of my early punk development, is like, I could get, I had good radio, you know, like, Toledo and Bowling Green had good radio. I could pick up the station from Cleveland. You could hear in 1990, 1989, you know, you would hear these songs or these records from these bands, you know, and those dudes knew all that stuff. So, and they're just as interested in like, you know, a bunch of KD that stuff as they are in like a bunch of like Japanese thrash as they're into like a bunch of like soul music from the 60s, like obscure stuff and like, like, they're just vacuums of that kind of stuff, you know? And then they were also, and then like Wedge would be like, yeah, like I was hanging around and listening to Ika Shinju and then I put on a Yes record. Yeah. What? Like who the fuck does that? And that's, I, but, but they're all. I love that that's shit the thing. though. No, totally. And that's the thing is like, you know, like, like you look at the, integri the integrity, um, uh, humanity's the devil. Yeah. And like one day's wearing a white away shirt and the other one's wearing a SDS shirt. Yeah. Yep. It's just like, that makes sense. It totally makes sense. You know, it's like the 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 time I saw Integrity with Warzone and a Neurosis. It makes oh. total sense. Well, I mean, anytime Neurosis is involved, <laughs> yeah, they, they Neurosis still stand head and shoulders to me above any other hardcore band because they were my favorite when I was thirteen, and they are now. Even though all that shit happened. Oh God! They're just—they have—they are our Pink Floyd. I would. I. I, I for better or worse, just like Pink Floyd for better or worse. <laughs> just like Pink Floyd for better or worse, with all of the yeah, with all yeah. of the shit that went on there too. Um, yeah. There's just something about a band that retains the same spirit throughout like 18 different sounds. Yeah you know that that you can tie yourself to that you follow a journey i think crudos had that kind of thing too and if uh martine had decided to continue with it we'd still be buying crudos records i i firmly believe that there's something about crudos there's something about uh ottawa um certain bands just encapsulated a moment and a spirit yeah. in such a way that it's on it's unflappable you know what i mean well, i think a lot of, and i think a lot of those bands is is, is, is because you make a connection with them mm -hmm. right like like crudos was a band that for me it was very important mm. not just because like i was i was in this period of time where i was like looking for hardcore records and people were giving me like metal records and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I finally picked up an Crudos record and I was like, oh, this is a hardcore band finally. Yeah. Um, but also just because of that connection to like the community they come from, the ability to, you know, of being not only being a ferocious live band, but being a band that's able to connect with the audience. And I think like if you look at a band like Neurosis, like it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Like there's a connection to a community. There's a connection to the audience. There is a, like, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, like for me, Silver and Blow is the last Neurosis record that I was like actually interested in. Mm -hmm. But like, but 
like I see the value in what they're doing and the continuing of doing and they're and the ability for the members of that band to stay not only connected to the community they came from, but also the ability to continue to evolve their sound in a way that stays true to themselves. Right. Yeah. And I think that there's that's the thing is like and I think that's a that's a lot of people lose sight of that, I think, in some ways. Like like I don't have to like everything and I don't like what you do, but like yeah. If you're doing it in a way that keeps true, like I see value in it, right? And I think that's what people can connect to. And that's what they people can pull from, you know? Like I think like, you know, poses are easy to spot. Absolutely. And they're easy to get and they're easy like and they fool a lot of people and they're and they're here to like make a buck, but like you can see them if you're really paying attention. Sure. And like and I think that's the thing is like with the bands that have that longevity and that long connection are not that they're the actual people who actually give a shit um you know and 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 how you can again it all goes back to that connection thing and i think that's what people see in like for me it's like what i see in like a lot of these younger bands right like yeah. the younger bands that i find that i find meaning with, with and i find connection to even though it's like you know they're like 20 years younger than me yeah. Like I still see meaning and value in what you're doing because I find that same connection and that same kind of thread of like, you know, that's why I don't, you'll never hear me like bemoan turnstile or bands like that because sure. Turnstile, do they sound like Snapcase meets 311? Yes, of course they do. How I, I just don't know how that's really bad a and B if you're doing it really well and still serving the same people who brought you to the fore yeah. i can't i can't fault you for that i just can't i mean i think for, for, I mean, for me like i i saw turnstile i've seen turnstile before time and space I've yeah seen them after time and space i saw them and they've always been like oh, it's all right and then i saw them one time and it was like transcendent yeah like i saw them play great american music hall and san francisco and it was packed to the gills and it was roger time space came out and it was fucking insane and it was everything and it was like oh this, this i get it like this is the moment where i get it and it reminds so i had this com conversation with tom youth like years ago where i was like i was talking about like bad brains and i was like yeah bad brains i love bad brains and he's like well when did you see them and i was like i saw them at 89 he was like, you saw okay, bad brains. And I was like, what? It's like, I'm sorry that I didn't run away from home and live in the Lower East Side and see bad brains at 82 or whatever he saw that. <laughs> and I had the same car. And I did this recently with another guy. I did this interview with, like, I did the interview with Brooke Smith. And she said the same to me. She was like, yeah, you saw okay, bad <laughs> Yeah. But, like, come on. Like, you saw bad, but you still saw bad brains. Like, that's I the saw point. bad brains. And I think that's the thing is, I think with Turnstile, it's the same kind of vibe. I think people are going to hit see turnstile and if they and it's going to connect with them in a certain way because the thing was Batman's in 89 connected with me yeah and and but they had seen a different version of it where it's just like i see all the time and space that that one show i've seen turnstile and it hit me and i was like boom that's the moment and yeah. then there's other like they're going to see other people are going to see them they see them now and they're like oh my god and i'm going to see them be like yeah whatever you saw yeah you saw okay you know that's the, and that, like I have I I have a little bit of a problem with people who 
kind of like it's not gatekeeping but it's like eh, you saw them like uh, the lesser version like yeah. Of, yeah i saw quickness era bad brains that was the first time because i'm not yeah. 60 years old i'm only 47 years old but i got to see i got to see the bad brains yeah Just i like, like to point out that he's only one year older than me so yeah. <laughs> i'm like i'm sorry i was on tour fucking you know the beastie boys i was 14 or whatever yeah, like you, you were on tour of Warzone when you were 12, Todd. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but I I did get to see Gorilla Biscuits before they broke up. And they were they great? Yes. Were they the best band I'd ever seen at that moment? No. That would that title would probably go to sick of it all at that point because they were yeah. ferocious and unstoppable at that point. Yep. Um I'm I'm not gonna bemoan them for it it's just what it was um, i think i agree with you like i agree with you there there is a thing like it's i think i hate the word gatekeeping yeah um but i think there i think there needs to be some level of gatekeeping i always i, I always joke that i wish that there were skinheads around that would just like <laughs> intimidate people um but like i i think that there is an aspect of it though of like where you can't i don't think you should yuck you don't think you should yuck to other people's yum so to speak right like yeah. um to use a phrase that i think i heard on a podcast <laughs> something mm -hmm. called grandma phrase or something <laughs> oh yeah, yeah but uh but i mean that's the thing though right like i don't think that you should if something if someone finds meaning in something i don't think you should totally shit on it i mean with exceptions to that rule if i'm born on the internet for example but um but i think in general like yeah it's like i saw Prince and sarah bad brains it was fucking outstanding yeah and yeah, it probably was different in 1982 or 83 or 84 or whatever. And, but for me personally, like it had more meaning when I went versus, yeah. and I could say now, like I saw, I saw 94 area soul brains. Yeah. And, and that was a design. It was like watching a car crash, you know, like, yep. um, so like I, I, I do agree with that, but like I don't, you know, like I can't, and that's the thing where I, th I think about this a lot, like, again, like I see someone who's like 20 years old and a minor threat t-shirt and I'm like, where, why, why, like, why do you care? Like, I think there's a difference between like, and I think, I do think, you know, cause I mean, think about it. Like, I, you know, there, I, I've now reached a point where this has been broken up longer, much longer than my threat had been broken up when I first saw Fugazi. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's like, I don't, so I don't get that, but I, I do get like, kids being into like, you know, exploring stuff, learning the history of them. And I encourage that. Like, I think it's a good idea, but I would rather see people my, in my brain. I would rather see people be like more excited about like younger bands, if, yeah. especially when they're younger. And, um, and I think, you know, having those conversations, and I, but I also do this all the time. Where in my brain, I forget how young people are <laughs> because yeah. so much time has passed. Yeah, like I will have conversations with people, and just assume I'm like, yeah, like this is this is a regular thing that happens to me. Oh yeah, I mean, you saw his heroes gone, right? Um, a million times, yeah, yeah. And I will say that to people, and they'll be like, "I was eight when they broke up." And I'll be like, oh, that's right, because they've been broken up since 1999. Yeah. 
24 years ago. My God, you know, that kind of thing. And so this person who's in their early 30s, and that's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the weird nature of time, I guess, but like, I think about this stuff a lot, like, and, but for, and, and, and for me, like, it's a big deal to not allow um, nostalgia to overtake everything. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's the big thing, like, you know, um, and I, and I think about this a lot, like where like, I used to make fun of like all these old bands touring and playing shows. Yeah. Yeah. Nostalgia acts. I used to call them used to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing, right? Like, and I say this as someone who's like worked on some re-releases recently, like doing the layouts and like has gone to go see them and like, you know, I'm going to go see Gorilla Biscuit. I'm shooting Gorilla Biscuit tomorrow night. And like, um, and that was in my brain. I was just like, you know, like, I remember, I remember better than a thousand playing in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And I was doing a C and Red show that night. And I was like, why the fuck would you go see better than a thousand? This is the band who is a straight hand, allegedly, who has written about how they're not, how they were drinking wine in Italy. Like, where's the fucking meaning of sincerity in this? Yeah. And like, why would you go do that versus going to see CC and Red? Fair point. They've been advancing together basically since you know '86 or whatever it is, whenever Alarm broke up. But like, what? Like, but they've continued. They just did their thing, and they've stayed true to their thing. And like, for me, it's all about like all those bands because it's like when you go see Shelter and they play Youth of Today covers. It's like, yeah. why? Why are you doing that? Like, why are you always looking backwards? Like. This is a cyclical argument. I don't feel like you can tell this is something that goes on my brain a lot. <laughs> no, no, I'm, 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 I understand fully, <laughs> like fully. I mean, that's always I, been the interesting. Go ahead, sir. No, no, you go ahead. For me, it's been the interesting thing about like all those Discord bands. Mm -hmm. The band breaks up. If I go see Hammered Holes, they're not playing Faith songs. No. <laughs> but, but Alec is the same level of, of intense performer as I saw Ignition. You know, like, you know, he did some shit that, like, my friend was like, that was like seeing Born Against. Like, he threw a microphone, kicked over a stool, and then like, went outside while the band was still playing. It was like, oh, that's Sam McPheeter shit. Like, you know, like, oh, totally, um, totally. And, like, and the level, and the thing is, is he, like, he has this weird stage presence where he's, like, so intense. And you're like, oh, that's right. You are the cooler Macaulay. Yeah, you are yeah. the you are you are the actual hardcore kid as opposed to the guy who like nothing at the end, but like Alec is like he's the fucking guy. He's like, he's the psychopath. Yeah, Ian is the guy who's like, oh, you like playing golf? It's just not my thing, man. I'm straight edge. And then like Alec is like, if you defend them, you're no better. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, he he was the one that like you you had to watch him. He was the one that would probably stab you in the neck if he fucked around. And that yeah. was kind of like that was the thing that made the like the faith so fucking good. Like, or even well, and I would say like like and the thing is this what's interesting about faith too is I was thinking about this today is like the faith led into all that Revolution Summer stuff. Oh, they for sure. The initial idea, and if you listen, and it's like the faith, the split void, is great. Yeah, everyone's always like, I like the voice side better, and I like the voice side better, blah blah blah. I like but them I both the same for different reasons. If the fake, if the demo recordings of the face stuff had come out as this, as their side is split, where it's more raw, it's more primitive sounding, I think there would 
people would be like, oh, it's more of a toss-up. It wouldn't be like this obvious like thing that most people throw out, right? Yeah. But then you look at the Faith 12 inch, and that Faith 12 inch is like, oh, here's all the ideas for Revolution Star. Yep. Musically. It's the fucking blueprint. And, and then the lyrics. And then you look at like the bands, the Revolution Summer bands, and like you look at Ignition and the level of intensity that is present in Ignition is insane. And then they do a vibrators cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you're actually punk. Yeah. You're still paying. You're still a punk. You're just. Every, everyone else wants to be Empire. You want to be the fucking vibrators. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Right. I no, totally. I get it. Like, and for me, Ignition is such a band, man. Like, like I remember, I remember Scotty when I was in the net making fun of me because <laughs> I was gonna, get, I was gonna get a tattoo of a Temperance hardens me. Which is like that. Like he's like, I was like, that's the most strange lyric of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, that's so corny. And I was like, I don't care. I didn't do it, but maybe I will because that's the thing I've been talking about. Well, <laughs> not temperate, but I've been talking about as I reached my fifties, like getting all the dumb punk tattoos I ever wanted. So I fully support that because. Uh, there's there's something about the idea of like carrying these icons of of a a foregone time that were so transformative to you Mm -hmm. that you know you're not wearing it as like a a a flag to someone else like hey i'm into this shit you know it's not like a, a shitty social distortion tattoo like that i got in the 80s but you know what i mean like it it has more to do with something that's been time tested and is very internalized yeah you, you know what i mean it's not getting a crucified no, totally. skinhead tattoo it's it's about oh, i want this too i have one on my back it's a real shitty <laughs> one too but that's, you know this makes it good so but like you know that's what makes it good it has to be shitty. it's very <laughs> shitty it's very shitty it's one of my first really was transformative that really yeah. does still hold water for you in in this rarefied age that we're in to still be loving and involved in our music culture it just makes it cooler to me i mean it's and it's interesting it's like, I, I totally agree with that i mean i think that's the thing is like and i think that's the thing as you get older is like being open to like being open to like admitting to these things that, that meant so much to you and being and not being as being corny and i think that's um i think it's incredibly important right and I'll even say, like, the social distortion, like, I mean, the, the first social distortion LP, 1945 split, I mean, it's, I'm a single, like, not only, like, musically do I love them, and I actually like social distortion, like, way longer than that, but, like, but lyrically, that first LP is, like, fucking genius. It's, like, yeah, it, because it's so, it manifests so many thoughts about being an angry young person, right? Yeah. Like, um, that never fucking song about going to shows and sneaking in the back door and snatching glass bottles because it's fun. Yeah. Like that to me is appealing. And I think, and I think sometimes there's a lot of like, there's a through line, I think, of like in culture in general, of like, as you get older, your focus becomes around like surviving, making money, trying to exist in this world. And like, and, you, and you're constantly trying to get back 
to this place that where things were simpler and you're happy, right? Yeah. Like, like I like being like 18, being 21, whatever it is, not having any money, but like, and just but feeling, but having no anxiety and no stress about the world and feeling all the joy of, of just existing, right? Yeah. And I think there's that thing for me as I get older is trying to like circle back to that, find those moments and capture those moments. And I find them in lyrics, I find them in records, and I find that, and I think sometimes there's like, I think part of the reason why I'm so like amped and into like a lot of younger bands is that it's is like just vicarious living through them, yeah. right? Like, I, rem I, I remember, I remember sleeping on floors. I remember like, you know, playing shows with three people and being the best show I've ever played. Yeah. I, like, and just bringing those moments back in my brain and, and, and making those connections around that, you know? So I think even more so though, um, to return to a place that maybe wasn't so cushy, maybe wasn't like the simplest yeah. time in your life, but finding things that were kind of bell ringers for what life was to become and not bullshitting you about it. I think that's what yeah. made like some of those revolution summer bands really stick out. And yeah. uh, the, the whole, like the f initial thrust of like New York post hardcore when quicksand slip was a big deal. And like talk songs like dine alone talking about how you'd rather eat by yourself because at least, you know, no one's going to fucking stiff you on the bill. It doesn't make yeah. it, it like that at that age made sense to me i was a teenager i was just like going into college and it's like yeah i simplify my life by not surrounding myself by people who won't fuck me over yeah it's it sounds trite now but at that time that's very <laughs> it's very poignant you know just yeah. just reaching a place where you could be okay alone with yourself yeah and i think that's the thing it's and that's 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 for me. A lot of this stuff is like when you start looking at these bands, like the things that the, the bands and the songs that mean the most to me, is really focused on a lot of stuff. That's it's about those transformative moments. It's about those moments of like, and, and it can be of like ma like manifesting and soaking and like dwelling in your own misery but also, but also your own joy and it's about like but also just like and then like their unadulterated rage and anger you know like yeah. for me like that was the thing about like what resonated so much with that his hero's gone yeah like the first time i saw his hero's gone I saw his hero's gone in dayton and this is when fat pat was still in the band yeah like pre-yonic and like they and anthem for the undesirables was the first song they played and he like, and it's a song about just like look staring yourself in the mirror and having and and, and and like thinking about like the entire world telling you're ugly your whole life and then like celebrating it. Yes. Fuck, and I, like I played with them on that tour and like that that first when they first fucking struck out. Like they they were they were legitimately one of the first bands that's like in my opinion were like fully and legitimately punk again 
because we were yeah. in the victory records fucking era at this point yeah. right like th there's no question and there were good bands on victory i loved bloodlet i loved dead guy but his hero was gone was the type of band that were just they were crusty they were heavy but they were very like strip all that away they were just straight up fucking real punk rock they, they were a punk were, rock fucking were, band for me like they were like a pure id moment yeah right like yeah and i remember the funny thing about it is i remember talking to todd and he would be like and they and, and they didn't fit in anywhere reversal were, man was the other band i think they fit in with yeah i mean that's the thing it was like the thing was this hero's gone is like they, i remember them talking about like them playing in minneapolis and people getting their shit because they were vegan and straight edge mm -hmm. and then they play a show with like vegan straight edge bands and they were too crusty and punk right mm -hmm. and like and they were just and they were just fucking in the level i just remember that first time i saw them is right it was before it was on the demo and it was before and it and it's like when they did that 90-day tour where they like they were out for 90 days straight and they were booking the tour from the road as they were going and they were going out to california to record the first the first seven inch and the 12 inch and but they were just like I don't know how long they'd been out when I saw them in dating, but like it was just I I, I didn't know I just know what to expect. And it was like so loud and it was so angry and it was so explosive. And then when you finally heard that record, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And like it's hard because I have conversations with kids nowadays who were like, Oh, like that band, whatever, blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like you didn't you didn't see the moment like you didn't see the thing in the moment and it's just insane and like i could cry I thinking about it yeah it's just like it's 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 crazy to me. and like and um so i remember that was the thing is like when 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 i when we saw them me and a couple of folks in Manette, that was like it was like transformative like oh that's our that's what we want to do yeah that we want to do that and like you know we um and then like i mean it's a lot of like it like i've had conversations with them so it's not it's not super corny to say it like about like 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 how transformative the, that band was and then also just as those people through their friendship right like like this notion and like, like I, it was funny because like i because like, i continue to i like taped with those dudes yeah you know they were like oh have you heard this have you heard that have you heard this like the reason why like a lot of that japanese stuff i got into like a lot of uh like heavy into like burning spirit stuff in the late, like mid mid late 90s was because they were like oh have you heard balance have you heard like mustang have you heard well like years of tape you know we'd stay with them and all that kind of stuff and like just listen to records and stuff and it was just just wild like those dudes turned me on to Balzac. Do you remember, like, yeah. who later got, were, like, associated with the Misfits, but... With the Misfits, yeah. No, I love, I mean, you know, I love Balzac. <laughs> but, but, but those Balzac, guys... That's who turned Balzac, me on to Balzac. Yeah. No, I mean, that was the thing, is I remember, because they were, like... And they were just, like, dudes from, like, Memphis. You mm. know, like... Yeah. You know, I remember, like, you know... um 
and I ended up being tight with a lot of people in Memphis. I mean, that's I mean, that's why it, you know, like ended up meeting like people from Lucero and stuff like with just all the world these days, but you know. Yeah, but I mean yeah. it it's funny how all of that ties into us too. But like in the same token, like I think of you know the name of your zine like i immediately think of leatherface right yeah like razor blades and aspirin yeah leatherface you know leatherface i remember being in high school and hearing cherry knoll yeah um you know anyone most people who are younger than us probably if they know leatherface know them from their association with no idea records or a split they did on byo with hot water music right I know them because of Cherry Knoll. I know them because that was they had a moment very briefly when Cherry Knoll came out where they were on BMG Records. And yeah. uh, if you had uh, been scamming the BMG Music Club, as I had been at that time period, yeah. you could get Cherry Knoll for five cents or go search for it forever. So I got it for five cents scamming BMG. And like hearing... Uh, Frankie Stubbs is fucking like growl for the first time. Wow. Like, holy fucking shit. Are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? It's, this guy is a, he's, he's Walt Whitman and he's Charles Bukowski in the same human. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild to me. Cause like, um, Boot, for me, like Philly Boots and Mush, like, are like the, that's like my musical taste married. Right. Yeah. It's like my joke has always been that like who's could do is discharge meets the birds. Yeah. And and then like but then like Leatherface takes that up a notch, right? Like it's like this as you're saying, like this poetic lyrics, yeah. um, you know, gruff like lemmy style vocals, like super aggressive because they came out of that world, right? Like and Dickie was in like generic with like Sned. Um, you know, from who is in the doom and like self, self, uh, uh, selfish and not selfish. I'm sorry. Um, he was in health hazard and all those kind of bands, but like, and suffer. I don't think that's all. Yeah. But like, but like, like they take it up such a level and it's so aggressive. It's like fucking double bass on like mush and fill your foods and cherry knoll. Like, you know, like it's just like, and it's so aggressive, but it's so musical. And it's so, and it's so like, like there's bands in my brain that like manifest the sound of the city they're from, right? Like, or the area they're from, and like that north, that dour North England post-industrial, like that's Leatherface. Like, yeah, everything is shit, but let's go to the pub and have a pint. Yep, you know, and it's just like you know, it's like it's kind of the white first manifest for me, like Portland, like perfectly. It's like every you know it's like i'm depressed and i'm a nerd and i'm obsessed with aliens or whatever but like like that kind of thing right you know and then and but like leatherface just sounds like a thing and you you and especially and i like i like the later leatherface like there's i think that there's good songs on every record they release i agree and i think i think but as complete records those first three are uh, up to mix I, I would say Noel, uh, Fill Your Boots, and Mush. And I think Minx is good, and I think The Last is good, but not the same level 
I think I think Cherry Knoll, Clear Boots, and Mush is the equivalent of like bad religions suffer no control and 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 against the grain. You're not like, you're just, not fucking wrong. You're not fucking wrong. Like it's just like no no bad tracks. Like you no reason. Like the only reason you're skipping it over is because you're like, oh, I like this one more than the other one. But like, yeah, nothing just, sucks. Like, yeah, and it's like a, and it, but it's like a juggernaut. And like you watch videos from that era, like early '90s era, stuff like that, and they're just like insane. And it's like, and the guitar work on those records is like, you assume it's Dickie playing because he's not singing, but it's like, it's, it's Frankie playing it. It's Frankie, it's like, yeah. It's Frankie playing his part, and he's like singing over it. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? How do you do that? Um, Frankie Stubbs is funny. one of the unsung fucking heroes of punk rock. People need to understand how important this fucking guy was. It's crazy, but it's you also. I think Dicky, like Dicky's guitar work, and then it's like, is absolutely insane as well. Because and you think about like, like HDQ, like uh, the the pre band, and like it's you can see all this stuff. Like I was talking to someone who's like, like a young kid here who's like, like starting in Leatherface stuff, and I was like, I was like, oh well, you know, all the HDQ stuffs on Spotify. Like you should listen to that, and like all like this proto leatherface style guitar work and song structure but it's not as evolved as the leatherface stuff because i think that's what you need is those these two people that kind of can like get together and do the thing right and like it's just you know it's insane and like i, I am forever thankful the hot water music brought them to the states so i could see them yeah. And that they, you know, I mean, that's one of the early conversations I ever had with like, like Chuck was like about Leatherface. Uh, Chuck, well, yeah, I, Chuck's a beautiful human, but boy, does he love Frankie Stubbs. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the thing is, I made, they played some show in Columbus and I made some offhand joke about how they were a secondhand Leatherface and he was like, yo. <laughs> you know, I yeah, well, well, I mean, he's not Chuck's not a bullshit artist. I can tell you that no. with a great degree of certainty. I, I've known Chuck Reagan since the '90s. He doesn't yeah. mince words and he doesn't bullshit. And yeah, if you said that in front of him, I could see him saying, "Well, yeah." I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's the thing, right? So, like, but I it just they were I, the the time I got to see them was they played the show in Cleveland. It was like them and Leatherface. It was like Hot Under Leatherface. Dylan Jepore and Nightshock's Terror. Mm. And it was like, I think it was part of some dumb fest, but that was like the show, the afternoon show or something like that. And it was just like insane, just insane. And it's like all these people from Toronto came down and they all knew the lyrics and like, Lord, who ended up doing der Deranged and, and like Simon, who did, um, what was Simon's label? He like put out like Paintbox and Warhead and stuff. But, um, you know, Simon, I, 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 not personally, but it, it's striking a chord because I think, uh, what the fuck's the name of the label? <laughs> and he did, he did, he released singing, shouting, crying, and it was released on ugly pop. Boom. That's what, oh, it is. that's what it is. That's what it is. Okay. Which I, of course ties back to the previous conversation around integrity. Yeah. Because one time I saw one skull mix smack the chef. <laughs> Because, because, because uh, the pre ugly pop, or maybe it was ugly pop, was supposed to do that negative approach comp, uh -huh. and they did, they did, they did reproach, and it took too long to come out. 
And, you know, I, I almost said Toy Box Records, which was also an integrity label. Like, integrity was on yeah, Toy no, Box no, as well. Sean's, yeah, Sean's Toy Box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. the first college. Yep. The best, the best version, in my opinion. I, I agree. I agree. Because it was like the prettiest packaging and it came with a poster mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But no. But all those dudes came down, all those Toronto dudes came down, and I remember that distinctly. And like, and they knew all the lyrics. So, but like, bearing all this in mind, all of your history too in playing music, was there a point where you were just like, all right, I'm just done with the music end of this. I'll just do a zine or, or what have you. Like, was there a, like a definitive point where you were like, you know what? I just, I, I don't know if I could continue to play the music. No, because I'm, a, I'm um, still there. I'm still making music. I'm still playing in bands, yeah. but it's so sporadic and, and, you know, I'll, I'll play a show here or there, but I can't really like, I'd rather do a podcast at this point because I'm almost 50 and I, I have a four-year-old. I, I, I hit the family reset button, you know? So it's like, I'd rather be home with my, my baby than make music. Um, was there I, that? I did. Yeah, no, I did bands pretty consistently about 2006. And then it was, I did a band, the last band I did that did anything, we didn't do anything, we did a demo. It's called War All The Time. And mm-hmm. it was like me and some folks from Look Back and Laugh and uh, uh, Devin who sang for like What Happens Next. And it was a couple of things where like, they just, we still didn't practice anymore. It's like we play a show, and then I took my amp home, and then we didn't get around. And it's, it just kind of fizzled out. And then I think 2006, I I just kind of started focusing on like I think I had a moment where I was like, I'm 32. I should probably get like a job of some yeah. sort, like a job job. And so I started doing that kind of stuff pretty heavy. Still going to shows, just being a, a guy who's like hanging out and going to shows and doing whatever, and um, and so that was when I stopped playing music. And then it's actually funny because I just started a new band like a few weeks ago. So like I have, I'm doing it now, right? Yeah. And like, um, but like, it was never a conscious decision. It like, just it happened. Just like, oh well, it just happened, and like I think. Um, like I would talk to people, like there was a period of time where like I was like Brett, um, who was in like Dumpster Rancid and I were talking about doing something. Yeah. And then there was a period of time, um, where my friend Sam, uh, who is in, uh, KO Dot and I were talking about doing something together. Love and KO Dot like, so much, so much. I love KO Dot. <laughs> and like we were so there was like this, these ideas and it's never it was like well you know i'll do it maybe i don't know what priority i think more than anything else and i actually stopped doing like anything and like i think like i was taking pictures occasionally at shows and then like 2016 is when i started doing the scene and i've been taking pictures for a bit and i was just like i want to do a thing because i still care about a thing and i always i've always taken that like yeah, like first inside the first big boys records is that chart and how to do three different chords and it's like now go start your own yeah. band like and that and they would have that thing it was like what are you doing to participate 
and I always and that always kind of resonated with me. And I think that's everything we've been kind of familiar kind of it's obvious. And I think um, for me, I was like, well, I'll just do a zine of my my photos, right? And and I did that. I did like fifty of them, and I sold through them pretty quickly. And then I did another one and another one, and. I was really interested in just doing photo zines for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think the first, trying to do the math. Okay, so the first seven, it's weird because I did these, all these, like, because I'm an idiot, I did things like, oh, here's issue 4.5, here's issue 4.75. So on the first, my numbers up to issue seven is, is the number of photos things I did, but it was actually like nine. <laughs> and, and so I did that and now we're all photo zines, except for the last one, number seven was if I did interviews and I did record write-ups. And so I interviewed um, Daniel who sings for uh, Negative and did does Bill Pest, uh, Biopest or however you say it in Norwegian um distribution i interviewed him and then i did a, a write-up of my favorite records and i liked doing that and then i did another half-ish <laughs> and then with issue eight was my first like full-blown like i'm doing a fanzine again yeah and the idea behind razor blades and aspirin initially when i decided to do the fanzine is i wanted to make it like I've done the newsprint thing. I've done the photocopy thing. Mm-hmm. I, and I've done this the pure black and white zine thing. And I was like, I'm going to do an art magazine. So I'm going to do the zine that looks like, you know, like my partner, Amanda, was a commercial photography. She has a degree in photography. Like, and my idea was like to do something that looked like the magazines that she would buy yeah. for like $30 at the magazine, special magazine store. And that was my idea initially with the race places. I want to do a fancy art magazine for bands that play to 50 people in the basement. <clears throat> and I wanted to like, and there was like so many photographers that, you know, kind of, you know, that I, that I wanted to kind of feature them. And yeah. that was the initial idea about it. And so I did, I've now done uh, all the half issues. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> I've well, as official scenes, I've done eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. So am I on fifteen or sixteen? Uh, fifteen. And um, so I've done eight of those. And then there's a bunch of half issues that are like I've done like little half issues that are like five by seven perfect bounds they're just like photo zines i've done newsprint like poster size things because i like yeah I like they, the size capability of that oh they 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 all the newsprint ones look so fucking good like they they yeah. I, I mentioned to you in my email like your newsprint issues were gorgeous like it just came it came off so well like yeah. the art the art direction it just popped you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, I wanted to be like, 
that's the other thing too is i didn't want it to look like a fucking somebody trying to do a cut and paste scene yeah that's not where i'm at like i want to do like shit that looks like like art art shit but it but it came off and it didn't seem like somebody trying to do an art zine that wasn't informed you know somebody who is just a try hard who was failing miserably it came off and it always comes off there's there's like uh, the aesthetic of your zine is there's not one set aesthetic it just always comes off really well and and that's important you know what i mean to to continually put forth something that has quality it doesn't yeah. have to it doesn't have to have a unity of vision yeah so long as it is uniformly really well done and i yeah. think that like that's the lesson we can learn from like bands like PIL or or you know magazines like legends out of new york who they never really did the same thing twice but it was always really good Mm -hmm. um if if you're putting the same amount of passion in every iteration of the same thing it's still that thing and that's fuck that's fucking punk rock man yeah truly i mean i think the thing for me and I, i thank you for that like i think for me like my goal is to like I want to do something that looks good and I want it to be like, as you, yeah, like a passion project. And then the other thing is like, I want something that is going to be a, is a challenge for me to make it interesting. Right. And that was the initial idea about doing color, like full color, like the, the, the notion of like, for a lot of most, most people think of it, they're like, well, punk rock photography is in black and white. In statement that's that, that's what most people think of it right yeah full and you stop. Feel yeah people, yeah and it's like funny because you'll see these like instagram accounts of like punk rock photographers where oh, i know you're shooting this with like like a full like, like a camera that's capable like a digital camera like and you're shooting raw like it, can, it doesn't have to be black and white it can be whatever you want it to be yeah and so like in my brain i was like i want to do something that conveys the energy and like the feel of the thing that I see in person and I want to do it in color. And so that was the initial idea about it. And what's funny about it is right now is the next issue that I'm working on. I was like, I want to do black and white because this is a challenge. But now color is easy to me. But now color is easy to me. Now color is like the thing of like, oh, well I can do, I can make color zines like all day long and it's easy and it's just, and if, I, and if I'm strapped for like making something interesting, I just put like a blue bar or whatever. And now I want to do the opposite where I'm just like, from a design perspective, like, well, how can I make black and white interesting? Well, not, like, how I mean, can I convey the same feeling? Yeah, because you like we, we have examples of, of both kind of, right? Like uh, you think Edward Culver, you think really beautiful black and white. Yeah. But if you think of someone like uh, BJ Pappas, they're full colors of, of, of new york hardcore bands going crazy so like yeah. we we know kind of like the, the the diaspora of of punk rock photography but like to bring it back to its essence in a, a way that's honest would be a lot of fun i would think so for you to like you've done this i've done the full color thing and you've done it in many different formats too nonetheless like newsprint fuck it. 
kind of return to the essence of the form is refreshing because we're not seeing that anymore. No one's doing that anymore, really. It, that was yeah. De Rigor 30 years ago, not now. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's for me, it's like, with a lot of this stuff just in general, it's like, the reason why I do my zine is, like, I want it to be a challenge for me. Like, I want to do it for me. Like, and it's a thing where, like, um, a lot of it too is like, but yeah, that want I want to be able to go like, like doing it black and white is like, yeah, it's more of a challenge for me. It's more interesting for me in this moment, and that may change the issue. You know, like it may change the, like you know, next issue I'm doing, I'm trying to find some a printer who can do uh, eleven by fourteen full color magazine and not just like not newsprint, right? Yeah. Like it's it's like like what is the challenge and what does it make it interesting to me and like and as long as they break even on it like financially it's all i care about you know like people are always like how do you sell this for cheap so cheap and i was like well it's not concerned with making money on it because this is this is just for me like and literally at the end of the day like me doing the zine is just for me like, yeah. i don't well, last time i checked I, I don't remember an issue that didn't sell out no they don't they, they always sell out they always sell out and and that's yeah. i think that's important to note just uh not just from an aesthetic point of view from but from a cultural point of view because if you're doing something that is like inherently and and from a point of austerity very punk rock for it to you know still not you're not you're not getting rich off this we all know it but the fact that like your print runs are constantly exhausted issue by issue that means there's a quality to what you're doing and the fact that you put a limit on it that it's not this unlimited thing like you put on the internet and it's there fucking forever no this is tactile you can hold it this is yeah. real and and it's gonna run out so either yeah. get it or don't but if you get it you have it and you're in the know if you don't get it you're, you're shit out of luck, man. That th there's there's yeah. a there's a quality to that that someone of uh, our shared generation sees the value in, and I think that's still yeah. important. I think that's still important to these new hardcore kids who are still buying vinyl and cassettes and still investing in tactile experiences in music, which is inherently ethereal. Um, yeah. it, I I put a lot of value into that and 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 yeah. that's why i love what you do yeah i well, think no i mean it's it, it is a thing like i i it's I, there's a it does it sells out and it sells out way too fast yeah it does. Right. it does it does right if, if var didn't like, get me my copies every time i wouldn't get one yeah and that's the thing is like i wish i had like, I wish I had, there's part of me, I wish, like, I wish I had the financial wherewithal to be able to print more copies. Um, but I'm also, like, this is my own undoing, I think, sometimes. I'm hung, I'm hung up on, like, 90s-style economics about things. Like, yeah. I could probably charge more for advertising, probably charge more for copies. But, like, I just, I don't know, I, I just feel weird. Like, it's already weird enough that a magazine costs $10 to me. Yeah. Right? Or whatever. Like I, that's how I'm, it, 
you know, challenges for me uh, directly, but like, um, you know, and I see other zines that come out these days, fewer, fewer pages, smaller print run, $15, $20. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, we pay, we paid, just, what did we pay for zines back in the day? 75 well, cents to a dollar? 50 cents and then maximum was $3. Yeah. So, maximum was $3 on newsprint. Yeah. So like I, it's, it's one of those things. And it's also, you know, like, you know, think, like the, the last newsprint I issue I did, like I did, I basically took the money that I made off of issue 15, which is about $500. And I turned around and printed 500 copies of what is issue 15.5. Yeah. And then just gave most of the print run to revelation and sorry straight just to give away. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, okay, well, and, and I had some here that you could get that you get from me. And I was like, it's five bucks because I included the, the shipping. And um, if you want to ensure you get a copy, otherwise you have to go to these places. And I've talked to, you know, I've talked to those because and we, one thing I talk about doing is like doing a print run of like newspaper, like, you know, a 12 page or, or a 16 page newspaper um, that is like, we do like 3000 of them. Cause like, they're both like, we can get rid of a thousand of these pretty easily. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, just give it, just give it away. You know, like it's easy just to include it in orders, which for me is like, you know, that's how I used to, that's how we promoted like more of the music fest. We just did like piles of flyers, these record distros and they send them out in orders, you know? And sure. so like in my brain, I was like, let's, I'll just do this for the zine. It's like a loss leader in some ways, but like, I'm thinking from like my professional life, but like it's, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's a way to transmit information. And, and I think, Part of the reason why I do the zine, besides my own edification of like interest in photography, wanting to do like a cool like art project thing, but you know, I, I write about records and I write about like bands I care about, and and I want that information to get out there, even if even if these bands have a PR person in some cases, right? And there's sure. and I and I, I see all the PR emails, and you know, I was like. Scal stayed with me. I was, I got one and I was reading it to them to make fun of them. But, like, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. I think it's just, I think it's just corny, but like, but there's also like a lot of stuff I write about, like, doesn't get cut. Like, Bootlicker, I think, is a great band, but like, they don't get heavy coverage. Or like, Mess is a great band, but they don't get like heavy coverage because they don't have a PR person, you know, like that kind of thing. So, um and uh, you know and and then even just the records like people are all the, all the time like what does it take to get you to write something about my record and it was like i like it and then i was like anything else i was like well if it's shit i won't write about it because i don't want to talk <laughs> shit about you like it was confused by that so i remember talking to ruth at morning years ago and like she's like there's a reason why we ship you know however many hundreds of thousands of operation ivy records yeah. It's like we you send out one sheet, you send out this, you send out that, and you push it. And the the point of it, and I think this has always been the thing that people didn't never got about like the MRR anti major label thing. It wasn't about like like DIY is you do it because you do it better than them. Yeah. And Not you do it because, because you love you love the thing, right? Like yeah. you do and this is and it was 
and it's not because they don't want to make money. Like you want it, you want these bands to be successful. You want these zines to be successful. You want this stuff because it's you believe in this thing, and you want to do it outside the context of the bullshit that they the, feed you, so to speak. The, right? the machine, the machine. Yeah, we're not we're we're our own thing. I mean, how many fucking records in Fugazi sell? You know, a, a fucking lot, probably. But yeah, and like how many how many records you know did did like you know. Um, like, do you just lose their cell on touch and go? Like, those are handshake deals. I mean, Fugazi is his own label, but like, yeah. but like, Jesus, that's a handshake deal. Like, negative approach still releasing records on touch and go is a handshake deal. Like, yeah. there's different ways you can do this and you can structure arrangements. And it's, it's, it's the thing, you know, it's, it's the thing that people miss, right? Like, the you don't have to fuck people over to survive. You don't have to, you don't have to get fucked. Like there's a way you can do this, you can be successful, and you can challenge the way the music industry works. And I think that's what's important by someone like, like what Tim does as far as being a publicist. He's a fan. Sure. He's doing the thing because he loves the he loves the thing, yeah. and he wants these he wants these things to be successful and people to hear these things. And I think, and I think that gets missed a lot. Right. It does. Yeah. Like, and I think. But at the same time, you look at some how some of these bands approach this stuff or how some of the artists approach this stuff. Like Fugazi famously wouldn't do an interview with a magazine if it took major label art uh, advertisements, right? Yeah. That was their whole thing. Yeah. Like they would not do an interview with Spent. And, mm-hmm. and, and part of the reason why they did that thing is because they, they were pushing the value of like our thing, yeah. right? Like our culture is more important. And if I if by Fugazi doing an interview with a smaller zine helps push their status more and become visible, then that's a better thing than just going with like I'm going to do something Rolling Stone, right? Yeah. And that and that that choosing the path of most resistance it goes back to the thing. It's like it's more interesting to me. Of course, you could sign with a label, you can do all the things, and like you could take all their money. But it's not like where's the fucking challenge and fun in that? Like, right. and where's in, in a label owns like you get in these agreements with these majors, and they own not only the band you're currently in, but the the, the next three projects you're gonna do. Where's, as, where's the fun in that? I, as much yeah. as I love Quicksand and and Walter Schreifels and his legacy, you know, <laughs> Def Jam still owned his ass from Slip yeah. to. Uh, manic compression to yeah. rival the first rival schools record right behind me. You know, there's the like he did was his art incredible? Yes. Was he owned and operated? Sadly, yes. That yeah. didn't happen to Ian Mackay. That didn't happen to Alec Mackay. That didn't happen to the Jesus Lizard. You know, even when the Jesus Lizard did find their way to a major label, they were still <laughs> writing their own <laughs> fucking <laughs> ticket, right? Right, because their agreement was like, "You pay us a million dollars, we'll do one record." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 like hats off to them for that. Same thing with the Swans. You know, the Swans had a major rec- major label record that yeah. uh, was inarguably their worst outing. Still incredible, but you know they 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 torpedoed 
their own record label and it was beautiful and it was fun to yeah. watch and i loved watching it happen well that's the thing it's like and that's the thing for me what was always important and interesting about hardcore is like that it's fun yeah or punk or whatever you want to call it like it's doing the things you shouldn't do because you can you can get away with it like mm -hmm. and i think that especially in this day and age i'm like what's the point like because I, I think about like like especially like when you think about like the fact that like like you see these you see like some of these bands these days like like kind of going for that thing and it was like but you turn around and look at like you know if taylor swift is telling you it's a bad idea and she's rich as shit maybe it's a bad idea yeah and like let yourself be owned by other people mm -hmm. you know like let your art be owned by other people like like i think about like someone like jason isbell mm -hmm. who's like he is like absolutely not he's like oh you you want me to talk to the head of southeastern records let me spin around this chair real quick and i'll let him talk to you <laughs> the person you know like like that kind of thing or it's like and he has like all the success in the world and i think it's and that's that's the the thing that frustrates me sometimes about the modern era is like you look at someone like triple b that dude's doing the thing yeah yeah he's yeah. it's it's all him all the time you look at Tank, scotty tank crimes it's all him all the time yep and it's because yeah. they're doing all the stuff they're getting in they're getting all the placement that you need to get blah 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 but they're doing it in such a manner where like they're not giving up any of the control and if you and if you talk to the people like for example in necrot like the people in necrot you, you know if given the opportunity they'll do every record on on scotty on, on a tank ride yeah with scotty and it's like they're you know breaking billboard 200 as a metal record you know yep. it's like so again it's like what's the point you, you want to play to me the formula to get the play to 500 people a night a thousand people a night whatever it is it's the same as it's always been get your fucking butt in the van and build your audience gel can go out and play 300 cap 400 cap rooms a night now is because they spent all those nights playing to 20 people you that's turnstile is playing to how many fucking people they play to nowadays like several thousand probably because they were playing to 50 people at yeah. one point orange band that like code orange the same deal you orange went out and they played 50 people and they built that shit slowly you, you and but you have to be out there you play 60 90 100 nights a year i you know, you know? and i i watched uh kill the priest slash lamb of god do it i watched mastodon yeah. do it the first time yeah. i saw mastodon they played to five people and yeah. you know th they set up in the middle of the room because nobody showed up and yeah. you know say what you want about mastodon but they <laughs> they had a blast doing it they set up in the middle of all of us and they had fun and it was beautiful. Um, yeah. The band that will like just in, like embrace that moment and just be like, okay, there's five of you. Let's all do this show fucking together, yeah. guys. I'm yeah. going to root for them no matter if I like the record or not. I just, yeah. I respect you. You're part of this. You're, you're from this. If if you're yeah. just ingratiating yourself into a moment without pretense, I'm going to root for you one million percent of the time, every time. Even if you're playing, if if you're Lady Gaga, if you're Slayer, 
it doesn't matter it's the spirit yeah. and that and that's what makes us us really. yeah i mean for, i mean for me it's a it, it, i agree but there is an aspect for me where like i don't want to be using stepping stones I think again. I think that the the way to get your band popular is that you is you go out and you just play. You fucking creepy crawl across the United States. You don't do this thing. You just fly from here to there. But like at the same time, is I'm interested more interested in bands that that this is not a step to completely remove themselves from this, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I'm interested. In, I'm interested in. This is what's appealing to turnstile. Like I, I, I disagree with them, you know, whatever labels and decisions, economics, whatever, blah blah blah. But the thing that's appealing to me about them is they haven't lost touch with the community that created them. That was always the thing about like the minute the clash broke down as a band, it's they lost touch with the community that created them. Yeah. Right. Like they moved away from that, and I think that's always been and and beyond just when like like I don't want to be used. As your stepping stone, and become a famous person and shit all over everything you came from. But yeah. beyond, even beyond that thing, it's also like I feel like when bands do that, they lose what made them special. Because I don't yeah. think most fans know what makes them special or what makes them interesting. And then they get big and they're like, "Let's try to just recreate that thing." And it's like, "Well, you we never actually understood what was good about your band." Yeah, people don't know that, and that's. For most people, there are people who do know what it is, but like for most people, you know, and I think going back to like talking about neurosis, like that's a band who like, despite all the shit, like where we're going to go on Ozfest or whatever, like yeah. they still have that connection to the community they came from, right? Like they still maintain that thing. And I think for me, that's what's interesting. That's what I want to be a part of. That's what I want to be where you're constantly lifting up the thing that came before you and you, the thing and then the things that come after you go right like it's this it's it's creating an alternative i mean and, you know it was called more than music fest because i believe it is more than just music and like they, yeah. i think that this greatest culture creating um and, and creating like alternative to the mainstream way of doing things right um and that's that's where I kind of hedge my stuff around. Like we we're talking about like publicists and stuff like that, where I was like, like well, on the one hand, I get it. On the other hand, I was like, you know, I'm inundated <laughs> with fucking publicist emails. <laughs> and then I go, and then I go, and I get a publicist email and then I go online and I look at like sites and like, if the exact same thing was in the publicist email, you know, with maybe like a few verbs changed or something like, or a few adjectives changed, like, well, what are you doing? Like, and so I don't know. I, for me, it's like, I, I, you know, but again, you know, you look at some of these bands and they're fucking working it and that's how you get big. You don't get big by just sitting at home and posting on the internet. And that's the thing is I feel like well, there's a, there was a, there's a sizable chunk of time where I feel like bands weren't doing that as much. And I think now there's being more bands that are, are doing that and like i mean again there is an aspect of it i look at gel gel can go on tour for however many months they're going to go on tour this year but then there's a return on that like they're playing you know three four hundred people a night they're you know they the pre-orders for their lp was what like 2500 copies or something 
mm-hmm. you know, like you're doing the thing. And that's more in line with what like black flag was doing when they're creepy crawling across <laughs> the U S yeah. Then like, you know, bands be like, well, I put on a seven inch and I flew to New York. Why don't people like it? Th- that brings me to kind of like my, the back end of my questionnaire, uh, you know, there's a, I think we all reach a point like as creatives where we kind of reach that, that, uh, entropy where it's like, okay, this is the, my last stand. I don't feel like what you did with your fanzine is your last stand. I feel like it was a very natural non, uh, it's, it's not like there was an urgency or a, uh, last ditch effort in in what you were doing it just seemed like okay this is the time for this you weren't like i'm doing this or it's bust it just happened like very naturally this is the next move uh because you're still doing music you're still like you're still involved there's no like there's nothing that's saying i'm putting the brakes on this this is the end of the road i don't think there is an end of the road for people like us is there it's 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 like this is this is something that's been like legit thirty what is it, thirty six years or whatever it is, thirty seven years of my life. The majority of my life has been doing things involving this, right? Yeah. And there's gonna be periods of time and I feel like there's gonna be periods of times when I'm doing less and periods like now where I'm doing more. And and it's really like it's that lifer thing in some ways, you know, like where it's like, it's because it's, it's part of like what makes up you as a person. Yeah. Like, like my musical taste like extends beyond just like hardcore punk. Like I like all this other stuff. Right. But the thing that actually moves me and the thing that I talk about and the things I want to put effort into is this thing. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it is, it is like you're saying though, it's like a, for me, it's a thing of like, you go from, you know, I'm doing bands, I'm doing this. And like, you know, I, I started taking pictures because I enjoyed photography and like, and then it was like, I'm going to, so I'm going to take photos. And initially I was going to take photos just to document what I was saying. And then it was like, well, I should, maybe I want to release these photos in some capacity. And that's how the thing gets going. And then I do this and I do the other thing and snowballs. But um, to me, it's not like, it's not just an interest in punk rock. It's an interest in people. And, yeah. and almost in a, not almost, it's a sociological and, and personal interest in other people that's very yeah. honest and it's, and, and it's easily come by. And I think that's what I appreciate most about what you've constantly done here. Mm-hmm. You just, you, you're, uh, you're allowing people into your experience and it's not, there's no limits, there's no lines, it's just, I'm interested. Let's see what yeah. you've got, everybody. And I think that cuts through, and I think that's very plain. Uh, so I applaud you for that. And to go, like you're yawning, we're old men. We're we've been at this for a while, and I could go with you all night, but I don't want to like yeah. fuck your whole night up. <laughs> I do want to ask because it is kind of like the the thrust and impetus to uh, the entirety of this podcast is asking people of our ilk of our time period what is it that terrifies you on an existential level i think honestly um 
there's a couple things, but like I think it, it I've always been terrified of losing my hearing. That's a big one. Um, and because of the fact of what has been a primary driver of my interest in life, right? Like, and so like if I couldn't hear music, like I think it would. I'm, I'm terrified of that notion. I'm also. I'm also. So there's like that. It's like a big one for me. And I think the other thing is just like I think in a, in a larger sense. It's like going to a sh- going to a show and not feeling a connection anymore. Yeah. And not feeling like, and I have those moments where I've been to places where I'm just like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. You know, and and not not like I went to something that I knew I wasn't going into. Like like I once, you know, I saw Texas the Reason of Promise Ring once, and I was on this because it was a date, and I was like, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and I started heckling him, and the day didn't go over well because she really loved him, and I was like, I was going to heckle the show. Um, but um, then that was my old band. Yeah, I know it ruled. This sucks. Oh, uh, this date just ended. But um, but more so like where I'm at. I'm not sure where like like supposedly like on paper it looks like this is something I'd be into. Yeah, and I'm just not like bored. Right, and I have, the, and I, even then, I had those moments. Like I had those moments now, where I'm just like, I'm at a show, and I was like, why am I here? But not really, not in a way that would be actually like cause that existential crisis moment, right? But so I think that really is is the thing where I, I suddenly feel like this isn't my thing anymore, and what is my new thing, right? Like where the the things that are new no longer inspire me, and no longer fill me with joy or drive me or whatever right yeah um i think that's the real that's the real real um i think you know it, it one thing that I, i'm doing is making people who making fun of people who are just soaked in nostalgia so if i ever became that person who's just soaked in nostalgia versus like wanting to know about the new thing i yeah. think that would be that kind of that kind of fits in that you know where i was like I can't wait to hear what you do with this new band and you know when the next record or whatever comes out I hope we can get together again and talk about it and you know coalesce on 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 the finer points of what it is you're creating thanks no, I think that'd be fine and I appreciate it you know I, I and I mean this sincerely like as someone who's not good at taking compliments I really I really thanks for that Listen, I'm not good at taking compliments either, so I get it, but we're from that same thing, right? Where we're not special. And, you know, we were probably raised in the same kind of era and area where there's that that, that middle, lower to middle class thing where, you know, we weren't praised for what we did well. We were just kind of expected to toe the line, and that's what it was. But, you know, we deserve whatever accolades we get because we yeah. we, bl- we bled for it, man. Yeah. So I want you to recognize that because consistently and constantly done fucking matters. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, no I, I really do appreciate it. I think a lot of times you don't hear that a lot. Yeah. And you just do the thing. 
Right. Maybe our dads were not loving enough or our moms were not loving enough yep. or didn't didn't offer to us like you know, like what you do matters, what you think and say matters, but you know, we did have that maybe our parents or our families didn't give us was that family that we chose and and hardcore yeah. and punk that were like, dude, you fucking you fucking matter. Yeah. And and, and you made it to like the edge of, of that, like working for maximum rock and roll and, and playing yeah. in all the fucking amazing bands you played in. And <laughs> you mattered to me, man. No, thank you. Brother to brother, you mattered to me. Well, thank you very much. So um, that, that being said, I will, I will let you go for the evening, but the next thing okay. comes down the pike, please reach out to me. Find I'll me. Let you know. Let me know. Okay, I will do. Thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun. It's awesome. Thank you, man. All right. Have a good night. You too. There you have it, folks. My discussion with Mike Thorne. I had a great time. I really enjoy everything he does. All of his output, I think, is phenomenal. Well worth your time. And I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. He's been Michael. I've been Peter. You've been beautiful. And this has been the book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a great night.